Wild Precious Life is brought to you by Parnassus Books, an independent bookstore located in Nashville, Tennessee. Parnassus Books is co-owned by the best-selling author Anne Patchett and managing partner Karen Hayes. Parnassus provides a refuge for Nashvillians of all ages who share in our love of the written word. Stop by for your next great read or shop online at parnassusbooks.net. And we're brought to you by Lit Youngstown, a literary community proud to support beginning and experienced writers who seek to hone their craft, foster understanding, and share and publish their creative work. Read, write, and tell your story at lityoungstown.org. My middle daughter and I spent a weekend together in New York City recently. I'm embarrassed to say that she's 13, and we've never traveled before, just the two of us. We drove most of the way listening to a five-part podcast about Princess Diana, and then we caught the train in from New Jersey. We spent two days in the city eating pizza, thrifting, and watching musicals. My favorite show from that weekend was called And Juliet, which was recommended by today's guest, my new friend, actor, comedian, and Broadway musical enthusiast, Tyler Merritt. As you might guess, And Juliet is about Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, and it asks a simple question. What if the ending was different? This is a bit of a spoiler, but I think most of us read it in the 7th or 8th grade, and at the end of that play, Romeo and Juliet both commit suicide. Instead, this new musical asks, what if Juliet lived? After all, she only knew Romeo for like four days. What if she lived? What I love about this premise is that it takes this universal truth that we all thought would always be. Romeo and Juliet both die at the end, and it flips it. Every time I see the news these days, it feels like 99% of it is just awful. Our kids are dying at school. It's easy to feel really and completely hopeless, to feel like there's nothing we can do to combat the hatred in this world. And I know it will seem like the absolute pinnacle of naivete to even suggest that a show about singing and dancing could be a vehicle for real-world change. But I think this one can. It can feel like the awful things in this world are permanent. Like they just are how they are and that can't ever be changed. Like gun violence is as timeless as, well, the end of Romeo and Juliet. But it's not. If you ever feel hopeless about our broken world, I urge you to get to know Tyler Merritt. Tyler is a Nashville-based actor, comedian, vocalist, and creator of The Tyler Merritt Project. His film and television credits are too many to list, but they include ABC's Kevin Probably Saves the World, Disney Marvel's Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and Lifetime's Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. His viral video, Before You Call the Cops, has been viewed by over 100 million people worldwide. He's also the author of two books, I Take My Coffee Black 
and a door made just for me. Tyler Merritt, welcome to Wild Precious Life. I am so stoked to be here. So I have like 525,600 questions I want to ask you. Mm, I mean, mm, we have to talk mm. musical theater. I definitely (laughs) want to talk about both of your books, how you take your coffee black and how there is a door made just for you. Um, But I feel like I'm way ahead of some of our listeners on like the Tyler Merritt fan fiction project that I've got going in my mind. And so I got to let the listeners catch up a moment. So let's just um, start by having you tell us some of your story. Sure. Um, Probably how I ended up here is one day um, during the time period of being frustrated as a black man, which is pretty much every day I in my life, day. I decided to put together a video called Before You Call the Cops, which is basically me just staring directly at the camera and telling the world some things about myself. And I started it by saying, before you call the cops, I just want you to know. And then at the end, I said, I just want you to know me better before you call the cops. And in between, I talked about things like how I don't like bananas um, because bananas are disgusting, which is a a quantifiable fact. Agree to disagree. Um, I talked about how, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) that's not really a thing in the banana world, but it's cool, whatever. And then (laughs) um, I talk about my love for musicals, but also for hip hop music. Um, So I say I I know all the words to Oklahoma, the musical, but also the words to the NWA Straight Outta Compton album. I talk about how I I like basketball and hockey. I talk about how my mom is incredible. My dad is in the military, how I love Las Vegas. So I just basically tell you who I am in a very... I would like to say that it was wildly dramatic, but it's not. I'm just talking to the camera. And um, I thought that I would put it online with some other content that I had out in the world. And at this point, I had already had a you know following. Um, but I put that video on the internet like on a Friday. And then on Monday, the Huffington Post called me and they were like, we need more people in the world to know this. And so by the end of that week, the video had gone stupid viral and this was like in 2018. So this is when I was already known for a handful of things that I had done, but that was probably the thing that people really started to get to know who I was. And this was 2018. Then because of a series of things that happened in in my life, including me continuing to make a tons of mistakes having to do with women um, because women are great. And We're a lot, though, so, I, you know. You, you're, you're so much. And so I disappeared from the internet for for almost two years. I was basically in the valley of the shadow of nowhere. And right after the pandemic and after George Floyd, I had made one more video just for myself. Um, and I had no intent on really putting it on the internet. But I made this video and it ended up being what I thought was pretty powerful, way more powerful than I thought um, I call you call uh, before you call the cops was. And so but I just made it for me. But I decided to send it over to my friend Joy Reid, who works for MSNBC. Now, I didn't send it to her because she works for MSNBC. I just sent it because she's my friend. I was like, I just put this video together and it's crazy. And she was basically like, yo, bro, you need to like 
stop being in your doom and gloom world and and come back into the living active world where things are moving and happening and get back into the movement of of social justice of telling your story and what i didn't know amory is that when i decided to kind of post that video basically because she told me to and what else what a couple other things um i come back online and um, Before You Call the Cops, a video that I had made in 2018, had now completely re- resurfaced. Um, I was trending on Instagram, like the Tyler Merritt Project, Before You Call the Cops, and I wasn't even on Instagram. <laughs> so I had friends of mine <laughs> sending me pictures of people like Sarah Bareilles, Lionel Richie, all these people posting my video, and I wasn't even on the internet. And they were like, you need to like get back in the world. So... I tried to disappear, and in disappearing, people came to know me even more. Um, And then from there, I decided to take that two years that I was gone and really dig deep and put it all into a book, which is called I Take My Coffee Black, Reflections on Tupac, Musical Theater, Faith, and Being Black in America. And since my video was on Jimmy Kimmel, who's from Las Vegas, him and I kind of hit it off and became really good friends. So he wrote the foreword for it. And he's also on the audiobook. And yeah, then I wrote a kid's book called A Door Made for Me. And yeah, so that's I, I want to say that's probably how a lot of people originally discovered me. Um, but it's so interesting now how because I've become known for so many other things that I've said and done and TV show, I'm an actor as well and whatnot, that a lot of people who know me it doesn't occur to them that I'm also the same guy from that before you call the cops video. Isn't that weird? Yeah. No, I know what you mean. Cause I, especially <laughs> for those of us who missed it in 2018, it was very powerful and made the rounds in 2018, but I was definitely one of the people for whom I saw it in 2020 and assumed until I read your book, assumed it had been written in the, in the aftermath of George Floyd in the aftermath of what we were all encountering in 2020. Uh, Last time I counted, it had been viewed by more than 60 million people. It's like 100 (laughs) million now. It's it's dumb. It's dumb. If I meet somebody who hasn't seen that video, I'm like, I don't trust you. Oh, my. Yeah. For anyone who hasn't seen it or again, they might be listening and they know they won't know. Oh, wait, is that the goat yoga guy? Is that, you know, Mm -hmm. wait a minute, is that the guy who doesn't like spiders? Like, people will have seen it, but they might not know that you're you. So I can can imagine that. Well, so I have seen the video, and I have read both of your books. And I want to take us back. I know you have a book since this, but the the first book, you've got that, that quote that really resonates, I feel like, through everything that I've seen you out there doing on social media, in these books, in your speaking around the places. It's that, that that quote about distance. Distance breeds suspicion. Proximity breeds, breeds empathy. empathy. Yeah. What does that mean to you? Well, first I want to say um, there's a guy by the name of Dr. Lawrence who it's his, it, he kind of put those words together in the format. And I kind of helped kind of tell him to the world. And I mentioned that in the book, um, but it's something that I've always lived by. And it's something that I also didn't realize that my life was telling that story without me knowing it. Right. Like, and you've read the book now. So, you know, that 
oddly enough, my world was just one big story of proximity and I was living it um, kind of accidentally, right? And so to me, it means this. Um, it's really easy to say those people over there if you don't know who those people are. And we're all guilty of it. Um, you know, you... Of course, me being a black man in America, I hear a lot of you people, people saying to me, well, you people. Ugh. And I'm like, you know, who, I need you to be a little clear on what you people means because I'm not just one thing. And black people aren't just one thing. There's not just one way to be black. And that's incredibly important. The same way that there's not one way to be white or Asian. And any time in my life where I've, had the ability, chance, or opportunity to look across the aisle and go, those people over there, for whatever reason, life has allowed me to go and be a part of whatever that group is. And after years and years and years of that happening, I was able to look back, tell a story of my life, and realize that I've landed here because I've never shied away from people that are different from me whether I wanted to or not. And so I ask the question and I take my coffee black right off the back. I talk about an experience of me walking down the street to a bench that I love so much. And I run into a white, older white woman in a truck who basically is afraid of me, decides to judge me without knowing who I am. And that affects me in a pretty deep way because instead of me thinking like, oh, there's just another racist white woman, instead I begin saying to myself, lady, like if you really, if you, instead of being afraid, had known, who, if you knew who I was, you would know all these things about me. And then I take my coffee black, I begin to tell you as the reader all those things. And then the book ends in a pretty special way too because it's kind of a... Um, it starts one way and ends the other way, you know? And so uh, my hope with proximity, my hope with people building empathy for each other is if we take the time, really take the time to get to know each other, that we may be able to change the world that way. I love that. I mean, because in the in the video and in the book, I mean, in the video you talk about you're the son of a veteran, but you've never owned a gun. You talk about you know all the words to... NWA is straight out of Compton and the musical yeah. Oklahoma that that all of us complain contain these multitudes and that if we took the time to get to know one another, it's really hard to hate up close. You know, it just it just for my job job, I'm a high school teacher. You know, I've taught, I'm sure, over a thousand students. And there's like the one who cussed me out and the one who threw the chair and the one who, th who like hid the candy in the toilet. There's all these kids. But. <laughs> I don't hate any of them. Right, right. Right. I mean, sure, they might grade on me sometimes. This gray hair is definitely for that one. But, like, I read their writing. I know their doubt and their vulnerability. I could never hate that. But for whatever reason, I mean, there's a lot of things we could point to. But in our social media silos right. and our information tunnels and the way we can just zoom in and door dash our food and hide out in our homes, it becomes entirely too easy not to see each other. It, it becomes entirely too easy to distance our hearts from each other and not 
see each other. And one of the things I love about your work is how you, I don't know, either because you're just like that or because you choose to be, how you take the time to see people. And if we would just do that, it's just, I, I feel like that breeds empathy, right? It's proximity. Right. Yeah. So I remember when I was a kid thinking to myself, man, one day we'll have flying cars, you know, like we all thought, right? And though we don't have flying cars, we instead have things that are 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 on some levels even cooler. Like we have the ability to literally carry a whole computer in our hand in which we can say a name to that computer and then a screen will come up and that person that we mentioned will talk back to us live on that screen that's in our hand. Like that's some Jetsons-ish, right? Like uh, we just, growing up, I, I just couldn't have imagined that that would be the world that we live in. And then the internet has allowed us to literally feel like we know what's happening in China, like in real time or what's happening in, in New Mexico or wherever, all from our chair, from wherever we're sitting, which that also allows AM is for us to go, okay, cool. I can also build my opinion of how I feel about New Mexico, though I've never been there. Or decide exactly what I feel like the food in China is like because I watched somebody explain to me what it tastes like in some sort of live I watched on the internet. Instead of tasting it for yourself, instead of looking at New Mexico I feel and going, I feel like I know what it is, but not understanding how much they value turquoise there unless you've walked on the streets of New Mexico. So we have allowed ourselves because of technology with really good, beautiful things that we sh that are great and, and connect us in some ways to completely allow us to be, you know, just armchair judges. I don't even know if that's a thing, but you know what I mean. It is now. Right. I'm writing it down. It's real. And so that also, it also allows us to just n not have to do the work to be with people in real life. Therefore, allowing us to just kind of exist. Yeah. And it's easy to like jump to conclusions about people you never met. It's easy to just like follow the bandwagon of whatever's trending and think that it's true. It's easy. And so we all do it. Um, one of the things I think that when I followed you on socials and when I've read your work, I always think there's the, you talk about it in, in I Take My Coffee Black. It's a, it's <clears throat> the way I'm going to say it's probably an oversimplification and I apologize for that, but there are these viewpoints of like the, the Malcolm versus Martin idea. And sometimes people distill, distill them into like love and hate or, or yes and no, or we're all in this together or they'll never understand us. It's really to oversimplify and I'm not trying to do that, but, but for the purposes of, of what I want to ask is just like, how do you, always keep choosing love in this world that is so full of hate. How do you default, you, Tyler Merritt, how do you always default to love? Because that's your magic. I just want to bottle it, and I want to sprinkle it on everyone. So I just... You're right. You're right. And let, I, I want to be really clear about how, even though you are right with that, 
it's it's a um it's a pro process and it's work like i just don't wake up every single morning and go today someone's gonna say something really crappy to me and i'm going to turn that crappy into flowers like um i get angry and when i say get angry i get wildly angry um i get pissy i get absolutely irrational um sometimes i want to throw something at the wall and don't care if whatever i threw at the wall breaks or if the wall gets broken as well i just don't care sometimes i just want to burn it all down but I'm going to be really honest with you, Am, the thing that brings me back, I, I haven't always done good things. I haven't always been the best person. I haven't always made the right decisions. I've hurt a lot of people. It, 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 I would probably say simply by um, statistically, there's probably somebody listening to this right now who goes, he has hurt me. Tyler specifically has hurt me at some point. And if... Whoever you want to say, your higher power, God, or your mom or your dad, if they can choose to continue to forgive me and continue to have grace for me and continue to look me in the eye and go, Tyler, you haven't always been good, but you are not the worst. You are not your worst choices. If someone can say that to me, how on God's earth am I supposed to stand here and not do that for someone else? It has become a process for me to be able to look at people and go, you know what? If I deserve grace, so do you. We're not just the the crappy things that we do. And that if, if we get, if we deserve grace, then so does everyone else. I love that. And if you're lost in your fucked upness and you're deciding that you aren't able to put that out into the world, it's, it's not going to be your loss. It's going to be mine. So if I can do my best, to continue to encourage you and you can continue to encourage me that Tyler, even though we're going to say crappy things and there's people out in the world that just suck, if we're able to see the goodness in them, then maybe there's a hope for us yet, you know? Absolutely. The world is not black and white. And we are an array of colors beautifully wrapped in the aloha spirit. From the islands of Kauai and Oahu comes Work Life Harmonized. It's a dual-cast radio show and podcast hosted by executive coach Dana Mahina, who interviews her guests about the power of joy, integration, and harmony. Dana delves into what it is to be unapologetically honest with ourselves while living an authentic life. Listen to Work Life Harmonized on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast.
Was your first high school musical working? It was. So that was my first musical, too. That's why we've got a wavelength. That's the first musical I ever auditioned for. Didn't know what it was. It sounded dumb. Was working. And it was awesome. Do you mind me asking? Well, I'll just ask you what year you graduated from high school. Listen, man, I'm older than you. But I'm a graduated in the 90s girl. Okay. So every single movie you referenced in your book, every single song, like, I know Mbop from Hanson. I got the What About Bob reference. I've seen Hamilton seven times, mostly from beside, from behind a pole. Because you know how there's that obstructed view, sure. one that you can only see, like, mm, two-thirds? That's the one I buy. So I, I didn't have to even see his son died because that wasn't in the part of the scene that I saw that time. So um, every single every single musical reference, every single movie, I was like, yep, saw it, saw it, saw it. Well, you can't be that much older than me because I graduated in 94. <laughs> so All right, there we you were go. in high school together. All right. Our, our, neither of our musical theater programs had enough money to buy a better show. <laughs> so right. We learned by that. And so, but it was a great show it, it was a great show but i'll tell you so so here's a story that i don't think i to, i don't think i've told at all to anybody because nobody I, you know except for people who are really close to me the reason why i loved working is um there were monologues and then there were songs right so i played love and Al the wizard okay so I, I so I sang that song. Um, I sang some other song, and, and of course I was part of the chorus. And then um, I did a monologue of a fireman. So there's this fireman monologue, and I ended up using that monologue until probably until through college as my audition. And the reason why I love that monologue and I loved working is because. That monologue was one of the first acting lessons I had. One of my drama teachers would say to me, I would go and do it. And when I, the first time I ever tried to do it, I, I, these aren't the lines, but I remember very specifically trying to be like, I'm a fireman and firemen do this. And Joy Demain, my acting teacher was like, stop it. <laughs> I'm like, what? She's like, start, start again. And I'm like, I'm a fireman. And she's like, dude, you need to stop it, bro. And she was like, I need you to be honest. Like acting is truth and you're not being honest right now. Stop it. And then I took that. I'm a fireman to I'm a fireman to I'm a fireman to I'm a fireman. And that connection from that show, from working defined the rest of my acting career. Even now, and I have an audition for a TV show or something, I'll get the script and I'll, and I'll, you know, I'll do my audition on tape. And the first question I'll ask myself is, am I being honest? And so I, I will never be mad at working because it taught me how to be honest with the work that I do. Now, granted, it's not my favorite musical. All it does is you read my See book. See that building. building up on the top. <laughs> da, 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 da. You really do know working. Holy. Do you realize what a niche world it is for us to exactly. know working from a high school? Exactly. No one knows that show. And if they do know it, they don't remember it. And if they do remember it, they don't sing it on a podcast. But when I read that in your book, I'm like, oh, my gosh. That was exactly my first one. And I had a chorus part and a bit part, and I just... 
But those are based on real interviews. Studs Terkel's, like, so, um, whatever, uh, Stephen Schwartz, right? Studs Terkel wrote the, the book, and those were all interviews. Like, he interviewed a guy who picked grapes. He interviewed a woman who cleaned houses. Those were real people. And that you're exactly right about those monologues. They seem true, and they sound true because they are true. Right. And, yeah. I'll be forever thankful that... That was the show. Because if it would have been Anything Goes or something, you know what I mean? And I, Which I later did. And I was playing like Moonface Martin or something. I, I would have, <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to connect to it the way that I did. But I, you know what? Props to you. Like, and now I'm thinking about all the, wait, there was the waitress singing. Remember all that? And um, cleaning women yeah, without faces. faces. <laughs> that song is fantastic. Yeah. <sighs> I, yeah, I was mostly in the chorus, so most of mine were. Like, I could go to McDonald's and back during the time I was off stage, and did one time. I'm sure. Twice, two yeah. times. Um, okay, so I come from a family and it plays a background that loves musical theater. You don't have to sell me on it, but I meet a lot, a lot, a lot of adults, especially who don't get it. They don't, they don't get it. So s- sell us on musical theater. This is how I feel about musicals, and you're going to be like, this is a long way around. No, no, bring it. I could talk only about musicals. Well, I'm going to use for the rest I'm going to use time. a really it's weird I'm going to re- use a really weird example about this. Okay, ready? I welcome it. I feel about musicals and people not loving musicals the same way I feel about if you don't currently right now as an adult love Dave Matthews band. Okay? Now, right, I knew that's where you were going to go. Let me explain <laughs> why this is that. Okay. If there was not a time period between your 17, 18 to like 28-year-old, 29-year-old, somewhere in that window, if you did not have a story where you heard Dave Matthews and it affected you in a certain way or it impacted you in a certain way, and it's a very slow window, it's a the window's not far. Like, it's literally between like, I'd probably say 15 years old and like 29, Okay. If you don't somehow, for some reason, fall in love with Dave Matthews, which I did because I was at a a cast party and there's a song that comes on and the lyrics go like this. Um, It's something to this effect. Like there's this guy singing in my ear and he's singing like, hey, girl, I know you got a man and I got a woman, but tonight the fire is bright. Um, The moon is just right. How about tonight you and I? Tonight, you and I become lovers. And then tomorrow, we go back to being friends. I remember AM sitting next to the speaker, listening to the songs called Say Goodbye. And I was like, what the fuck is this dude? This dude is <laughs> this dude is a player. Like, what is going on? And I'm falling in love with how dope he is, right? That was the moment I fell in love with Dave Matthews. You, to this day, can't tell me shit about Dave. I will love him until <laughs> I die, right? But as an adult now... When I talk to people about Dave Matthews, if you don't get it, you just don't get it. If you're you're like, yeah, I'm just not really I'm like cool. Crash or Dave's cool, or I don't. I never really got into him. But everybody who is into Dave is into Dave. But it's a window, and I feel the same way about musicals. Like if you miss your musical window, like if you miss it. You get to an age eventually where it's hard to come back from because soon musicals become like Little Mermaid to you or Lion King, which is a musical, but it's not it fantastic. Right. But but it's not mm-hmm. working. Right. 
It's not the escapism that we experienced as as young people to where we still had hope and we could still dream and we still were able to get lost in the escapism that is musicals. It's the magic of being able to step into a theater for two hours and 15 minutes and forget that the world exists because someone is singing to you about their emotions, right? And when the musical is right, when, it's, when a musical aligns with the music that you have inside of you, there is nothing like it. But it gets harder and harder to have that happen as you get older and older. And so when someone says to me, I don't love musicals or I'm not really a big fan, my thought usually goes to, you never, you, you probably didn't hear the right musical. And it probably didn't land with you in the time that it should have. That's such a fascinating way to think about it, because you're right. If you didn't get it in that window, that, I love that, that Dave Matthews window. Like, if you don't <laughs> show your world to me, like, if you don't have those yeah. lines, like, they don't they don't resonate. And so, I, but I still defy someone to go and see even these most recent ones. Like, you're telling me that you could walk into Dear Evan Hansen and not be like down to your core. Like when I feel the crush of a red velvet seat, even from my terrible view of the stage, sure. when I when I hear that the orchestra tuning up, or when I hear a song that I know I'm gonna love forever, whether it's waving out the window or, yeah, or yeah. oh my for forever. Like I'm gonna sing that for the rest of my days, and it, it vibrates on something inside of me that is like desperate for awe and and you're right it's all contained in that like two hour and 15 minute but there's nothing like it for me and it doesn't do it for everyone but i can argue listeners and anybody who is a broadway person if you go and see and juliet and you come out talking any shit to me about it i don't know if we can we can be friends so yeah, it's called And Juliet, like And and then Juliet. And it's basically, I'll give you the quick summation. The storyline is, um, it's based on what would happen if Juliet didn't commit suicide um, at the end of, Ju- of Romeo and Juliet. But instead, she lived her life. And it is so good that I I I I I am so I can't even I don't even want to talk about it anymore because it's so good, it's just so good. I kind of want to Google tickets right now and get the one behind the pole that's the cheapest one. Okay, I'm 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 sold. My friend Betsy Wolf stars in it, and she is fantastic. There's a girl in it named Lorna, who is. I don't think I've seen a debut on Broadway ready for this because this is about to be big when I'm about to say. I don't think I've seen a debut on Broadway from a young girl like I do with Lorna since probably Leia Salonga in Miss Saigon. Ooh. There you go. going back now. There you go. I'm just telling you. You are sunlight and, and I moon. Yeah. See? <laughs> AM. I told you. We're besties now, man. Every single one that you referenced in the book, I was there for. You know there's a playlist, right? Did you know that? 
How did I miss the playlist? There's a I Take My Coffee Black playlist because it, it's not on the book. It's, I don't talk about it. It came out with you later. You didn't put it in the book. Because everybody, after the book was over, everybody was like, let's talk about all the music that's in this book. And then we started to make a list. And so we took every single reference that I say on any, if it has anything to do with a song, it's, so the playlist is eight hours, by the way. It's eight hours. I was about to say, it's <laughs> amazing. So, so I'm so excited it, to go get this playlist. It doesn't matter if, if like, there's a part in the book where I say something like, when I moved to Nashville, I didn't have a car and I didn't have a job. And then I say something like, that doesn't mean I was a scrub, right? But so if there's a reference of, of a song, then the song is on the playlist. Um, and I think it's called something like the official I Take My Coffee Black playlist. It's on Spotify, um, we'll be Apple, linking to it. and Apple gotcha. and all of those. Yeah. I did not know that. But yeah, I was every single reference. It was ridiculous <laughs> how seen I felt by your book. So I knew we were the same age. Um, <sighs> I knew it. Um, you've I, I could I could talk musicals all day and I've just written down. And Juliet, uh, you referenced a Gwyneth Paltrow story and we should explain why we're talking about her. So you talk in the book about these sliding doors moments. And for people who haven't seen that 1998 movie, it's kind of cool. Like there's there's this like two plots at the same time and one Gwyneth catches the subway and a car and in one she misses it and then right there it splits and we go on to see like one movie one storyline where she catches it and so she's on she's on time to something and and one where she misses it so she's a little bit late and like this split and she just lives two totally different lives and I felt like you pointed to all kinds of sliding doors moments in your life whether it was deciding to post that playlist video or deciding to put up come back to social media or to step away or quitting a job or going back to a job like you had all kinds of even the the fame not auditioning these sliding doors moments and you have your eyes open to them I think a lot of us slide right by or skip right by our sliding doors moments and we don't even realize that a sliding doors moment can be when you get a thing, when you say yes to a thing, it can also be when you say no to a thing. I love that. I love that reference, and I love seeing those those moments in your book. Well, I think one of the reasons why I recognize sliding door moments so much is because I talk about this very specific story in the book. One of my hugest sliding doors moments happened really early in my life. I tried to get into a Spanish class um, in high school because I thought it would be easy but it was all filled up by all of my my Mexican friends. All of my Hispanic friends were all in these classes. So I ended up getting my second elective, which seemed a little easier, which was theater. And that singular thing, that it, that's why I'm sitting here right now. If I would have gotten a Spanish, I, don't, I, I could have been a Spanish teacher. I don't know. But that singular thing of me not being able to get into my first elective that was a sliding door that shifted everything in my life. And so I became aware of that really young. And as actors, they train you to always be watching life, always be observing. And so I was able to kind of go from there and continue to observe through my life. So, yeah. Now, you want to hear the Gwyneth story? Yes, this is the kind of content I'm here for. Okay. So long story short, around Christmas time, Gwyneth Paltrow went on social media and said, Guys, I have some time off. Um, please recommend books for me to read. And of course, of course, 
because we talk about her and I take my coffee black. Anybody who's ever read it saw this post and suddenly were like tagging me. They were like, Gwyneth, you have to read I Take My Coffee Black by Tyler Merritt, blah, blah, blah. You have to read. And so there's all kinds of commentary on it, right? And so typically stuff like that, I wouldn't really pay much attention to. But then I started thinking, you know what? Gwyneth maybe should read this book because it's kind of, you know. And so, and I, and all the things she stands for, I knew she would love it. And so I reached out to Jimmy Kimmel, my, my homie. I I hit him, I sent him a message. I'm like, yo, bro, I need you to, do you know, or do you have any connections with Gwyneth? And he was like, I actually don't know her personally, but I know her um, publicist. I was like, dope. So two hours later, her publicist is like, Tyler, what's up? I'm like, what's up? Or, or maybe someone hooked us up. I don't remember what the situation was, but here's the moral of the story. They're like, yes, send us your book. We'll get it to Gwyneth, right? And I'm like, sweet. And this this isn't weird for me. Like, it's now it sounds crazy, but in my life, this isn't weird anymore because now I'm a little bit more connected, right? So I'm like, cool. So I have my people go and ship off a, a, a book to Gwyneth. And then <laughs> I get an email that says, we just want to know before you send it to us that you don't talk derogatory about Gwyneth at all. And I was like, of course I don't talk derogatory about Gwyneth. I love Gwyneth Paltrow. Are you kidding me? Duh. So then I look even closer and find out that her publicist is also like one of the lead people on Goop, right? Like her brand that she owns, okay? So now, AM, I'm still thinking to myself, I love Gwyneth Paltrow, duh. But let me just go back and read what I wrote. Well, I mean, I can see in a certain light. Do you remember how we start talking about her? I do. We we start talking about her, even though I end up talking about the movie for the rest of the book, even though I pay homage to Gwyneth Paltrow. It starts by me saying... Gwyneth Paltrow is one of the whitest, whitest people in the whole world. And I'm like, she is so white that when she got a divorce from her husband, they called it a a, a conscious conscious uncoupling. I was like, she is so white that she has a kid named Apple. She is so, and then I go on with like so many, so more, so whites. And then I go into Goop specifically. Then I'm like, she's so white. She has a brand that tries to sell you bee, bee serum or so, or get stung by bees. And then I was like, and then above that, she wants to sell you on vaginal steaming, which ends up becoming a, a joke through the rest of the book. Mm-hmm. The whole reason, though, why I talk about her being so white is because I'm trying to make the point that I am shouldn't I shouldn't know this much information about this white woman. And so I'm like, I know I'm about to get my black card revoked because I'm about to go hard on Gwyneth Paltrow. Then I give you all these facts and then I go. But the real reason I'm talking to her is because of this movie called Sliding Doors. A.M. A.M. <laughs> I forgot that I had talked so much shit about Gwyneth Paltrow. All that to say, I haven't heard from her publicist. Oh since. no, no! I'm sure that if they read it, though, they'll see it's, it's like a it's it's gentle ribbing, and and she is white. Last I oh, checked, and man. so if you call me white, it, it it's true. So that's okay. Oh my! Isn't it funny how when you write a book, though? I mean, when I when I wrote a book, it's like different. 
how do I say it? Like you, you write all these versions of it. Like you write it and then you write it again and then you write it again and then you write it again. And then so you don't remember, wait, is the fish finding technology, is that in there or did that get deleted? I, you actually can't always remember. Right. And, and it, you don't always go back and reread the, the final one because you're by then you're, you're so sick of it. And then people ask you all the questions. So that is hysterical. And I, I think then when she gets a moment in between – she might come back around. I mean, it's a loving, you know, it's a loving lean to her, but it's still it like is. when you just read it out of context, it just sounds like I'm just, you know. <laughs> so yeah. Hey, what's what's next for you? So I know, I know we get we're two books into the Tyler Merritt project and many videos in, and I think I read that you were doing some acting things again. What's coming up? What's, what can we look forward to You're for you? are breaking news here. But I'm currently adapting I Take My Coffee Black into a play. Um, so Fantastic. Not only is it's a play, but it's a one-man show in which I will star in. Oh, my gosh. Right. So That is so much. It's so much. <laughs> so we're currently working on that right now, and it's kind of dope. That's excellent. We always close with um, kind of like a rapid fire round, just some playful stuff. Yeah. And I will ask you like this or that. But I know one of your mantras is like, we're allowed to like both Bon Jovi and Jay-Z. Mm -hmm. Like I like both yep. Oklahoma and Straight Outta Compton. So I, I know that your answer to all of them could be both. But, you know, I am asking you to choose when you can. So you ready? Let's do it. Yep. All right. Um, Just pick one. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Mountains or beach? Beach. Dogs or cats? Cats. Uh, what do you dislike more, spiders or bananas? Ooh. Oh, that's that. My brain does not know what to do with that. Wait, I'll give you an answer. I'll give you an answer, but I just, I my mean, brain is like. I know you don't. <laughs> just entered into like the matrix right now. Um, I'm going to go with spiders. All right. Which house would you want to live in more? Will Smith's uncle's house in the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, or Ricky Schroeder's house in Silver, <laughs> Silver Spoons? Silver Spoons. Um, <laughs> oh my God, Bel Air, Bel Air. <laughs> Although, oh. man, that's a good question. Those Rick video games. Well, that you know train? what? Ricky Schroeder didn't um, age well. I, I mean, he didn't like as people as a person. Like, so it's hard for me to even connect Ricky Schroeder. I don't know if you know anything about Ricky now, but that dude, whew. See the hitter there. All right. All right. Will Smith's house then, or his uncle's house. All yeah. right. Are you an early bird or a night owl? Night owl. No questions asked. We have the shadow of a doubt. I mean, you have to be if you're going to work anywhere near a yeah. theater. Um, Miss Saigon or Dear Evan Hansen? Miss Saigon. Dirty Dancing or Bring It On? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um. <laughs> Dirty Dancing, the movie, bring it on, the musical. All right. I like this answer. Uh, Titanic or Love Actually? Titanic. <laughs> you, there, you couldn't have followed. You have to, I have to be really clear that you could have said Titanic and then almost anything else. The only thing that I would have changed that, I, that would have sent me into the Matrix if you would have said Titanic and there's a movie called Almost Famous, which I don't know if I talk about it in my book. You don't reference that. I would have remembered it. It that will be in my next gorgeous, one. Gorgeous, gorgeous movie. Yeah. I mean, it's young Kate Hudson, of course, but it's also Philip Seymour Hoffman. And it's one of my favorite things about that is like, we've all done this. You're getting really wise advice. 
and you're not going to listen to it at all. Right. Philip Seymour Hoffman throughout that whole book is like, don't make friends with them. Don't, like everything, Don't make Philip, friends with the rock stars. We've all yeah. done it, too. Like you hear the good advice and you just and you do the opposite. That's a great movie. Yeah. Almost, you know what? A, a good question for me would be almost famous that thing you do. Like those oh. mo- two movies side by side. But Titanic probably trumps all of them for me. Sometimes I'll just watch the first three-fourths of Titanic and then turn it off yeah. like, and that's give good. them all a happy ending. Right. I'll get to the part where <laughs> he's painting Kate like his French right? girls, and I'm like, all right, I'm good. <laughs> a handprint in a car. and <laughs> <End> scene. <laughs> are you a risk taker or are you the person who always knows where the Band-Aids are? Risk taker. Yeah, I thought so. Okay, these are some fill-in-the-blank. If sure. I wasn't working as an actor, speaker, slash change agent, I would be... A teacher. That's kind of like the actor speaker. It is. It's, agent. But that's it, kind it's, of a not really a good. It's it not is. fair. Let me give you another answer. Let me give you another answer because that was kind of cheating. I would. I probably like own a like a a clothing store. I would totally buy jeans from you. Yeah. By the way, I hate buying jeans. I was like, you know what? Maybe I just haven't from Tyler. I'm the one, man. Ah, I missed out. Didn't do enough shopping in Nashville. All right, what is something quirky that folks don't know about you? A like, a love, a pet peeve. I mean, we already covered bananas and spiders. That's really not fair. Hmm. What is something people don't know about you? I sleep with a mouth guard, and I cannot not sleep with a mouth guard. Because I I bite my tongue. Like, when I go to sleep, I bite my tongue. Like, I can wake myself up by, like, falling asleep and biting my tongue so hard that it'll wake me up. So I have to sleep with a mouth guard. There you go. Huh. Is it a cool color? Does it look like the ones from like the the Molly Ringwald movies where is there a lot of like outside mouth stuff or is it just like inside your mouth? It is whatever you think is cool, a mouth cool mouth guard is, it's the opposite of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing the uh, the hockey mask from the the scary movies. No, so it's it's just with. like a, a plastic thing, but it's just not, it's not <laughs> sexy. It's not, you know. Well, whatever helps you sleep, man. We're right. not getting any younger. Um, What's one of your go-to songs? You mentioned a ton of songs in this book, but if I said, hey, what's that song that pumps you up? It could be a corny song. It's just one of those songs. My pump-up song, oof, got a lot of them. You know, I'm just going to pick one. It's a, it's a rap song by an artist named Big Sean called Fire. Fire. Mm-hmm. I don't think I know Fire. that one. I will look it up. You know, but Excellent. it's cool. Um, what's a favorite book? I'm going to go way, way back because I was talking about this on another podcast recently. Probably one of my first favorite books is was, was Where the Red Fern Grows. <gasps> it's just trying to make me cry. One of the first because... ever. Yeah. <gasps> so sad. <laughs> so no spoilers guys but just like read it with kleenex yeah my english teacher made us read that of course um what's a movie you love a movie i love well we kind of covered that my, oh my, that's true i asked you a ton yeah, of this. it's okay See, i'm just reading from the script no here. it's okay we, we already read. talked about we'll say movies. almost famous we'll there you go there. i forgot my own self no you know what i'm gonna give a movie that a lot of people haven't seen, but it's one of my favorite movies of all time. And if you have seen this movie, mad props to you because it's super niche. All right? Okay. It's called Camp. Ooh, Camp. Is it scary? No, it's not. 
It's called Camp, and it's Anna Kendrick's very first movie. Are you kidding me? Yep. Go. Does she sing? Yep. Is it campy? It's it's about a musical theater camp. I went to musical theater camp twice, and so I can't believe I don't know this movie, and I, I'm going to do- That's why I changed right my answer, because there's so many people that don't know it. And you're going to be like, this movie's kind of cheesy, it's kind of simple, it's kind of weird, but I, I saw it in the movie theater probably seven times, as an adult. <laughs> I love yeah. it. I used to go in when I worked a job with no air conditioning. I worked outside in Florida, and so I would go to the movies, and I would just stay all day. I would buy one ticket, and I'd buy lots of popcorn. I bought lots of snacks, so they made money off of me. But I would go in, and I'd see my first movie, and if I liked it, I'd go get a snack, and I'd double down and see it again. Or if I didn't, I would just work around and and um, all day. Let me be day. very clear. I love a movie theater, man. I love a movie theater. Ah, uh, no. So last one. Last one. If you were to take a... If we were to take a picture of you really happy and doing something you love, what would we see? You would probably see me in New York City in line just about to go into a theater. Oh, I love that feeling. It hasn't started yet, but you're going and everyone's excited. And that vibe. And that vibe, that, the feeling. Oh, we're all out. We got we put on we put on the pants and we're out. We're Even already, if we didn't yeah. feel like it, we are out and we are loving it. And we're already in a city. New York City is probably one of my favorite cities in the world next to Las Vegas where I grew up at. But you're in a city that just, for me, it makes me feel electric and alive. And you're about to go see what people are born. They were made and born and created to do. And everybody is going to have this shared experience. We're about to escape for however long. And even if the show's bad, like really, really bad, there's still something that's still a little good about it, you know? And those are all our people. We don't even right. know them yet, but it's just like, hey, hundreds of strangers, or in some cases, thousands of strangers, come mm -hmm. with me. Let's all be together. We are all each other's people. We just don't know each other yet, but you come right. to know each other in that space. Yeah. But, but you're like, if you're in this room with me right now, you you're, are my people. You're my people. Sometimes... My daughter tells a story the very first time. We saw Hamilton first in Chicago. My English teacher's husband fell down the stairs and they couldn't go. And she gave me these tickets and we went. And there were people And you saw my boy, you saw my boy Chris Lee play Thomas Jefferson Lafayette. The best, the so incredibly good. I have never seen a Thomas Jefferson Lafayette live up to what I saw that first one. It's such a hard, it's two different shows. There's two right. different ones. Hard to be both. Do you know that also my best friend James Monroe Igahart played Thomas Jefferson Lafayette on Broadway? So I, it's there's it's like there's a combination of like ooh. I don't think I saw him in that role then. I don't think they, you, did. you know because I would remember because anytime for people who haven't seen it, it's the same same actor plays both, and and it's really hard to be good at Thomas Jefferson, because that's kind of a, what did I mean? Yeah, like, it's, yeah. just, it's just like a funny, and Lafayette's got to pull off that accent and just be fierce and and French, and it's hard to be good at both, but that, that yeah. So when we got there to that show, uh, someone was sitting in our seat, and I, my daughter was like, well, we can't sit there. I'm like, we can sit there. It's fine. It's a mistake. And uh, the lady apologized to me. She's like, do you want a drink of my wine? I'm like, absolutely. And, I, <laughs> and my daughter was like, you just drank that lady's wine. I'm like, it didn't think, didn't think twice about it because that's, she was my people. We're right, all each other's right. people in the theater. You just, these are your people. I love it. <laughs> 
I love it. I love that. that that's such a great story, but it's kind of the truth. You're like, want some wine? Hell yeah, I want your wine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're my people. Uh, hey, so in your most recent book, you ask all of us to open the door wide and welcome folks to walk in. And I was just thinking, like, thank you for first helping us find the holes in the walls where those doors need to go. Like, yeah, you are a yeah. gift and a treasure, and I I hope that you will walk through our door anytime, Tyler Merritt. A.M., my homie. I appreciate you. And we got to do this again. We need to do just a musical theater, um, just just a musical theater moment with you and I for the Wild Person's Life podcast. You can find both of his books. I take my coffee black and a door made for me at an indie store near you. And if you're not yet familiar with the work of the Tyler Merritt Project or if you somehow missed his videos, we are going to link to all of that in our show notes because we're wishing you love and light wherever this day takes you be good to yourself be good to one another and we'll see you again soon on this wild and precious journey wild precious life is a production of evergreen podcasts special thanks to executive producers gerardo orlando and michael dialoya producer sarah wilgrube and audio engineer ian douglas Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And And we're we're the the Professional Professional Book Book Nerds. Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy happy reading. reading!